0: All right, today is Sunday, June 20th. Two thousand twenty one. Holy cow, two thousand twenty one. It's like we're in the future. And this is episode two hundred fifty-four of the Defensive Security Podcast. The, uh, the the Great Revival.
1: The Great Revival. And by the way, happy Father's Day. And I don't think I remember how to do this, but hi.
0: Hi. It has been so long. How I've, long has it been? I've forgotten how to internet. It's been almost a year. Wow. Our last one was uh July fourteenth of and, last year. And-
1: and why, poor, poor Jerry? Why have we left our wonderful listeners alone for so long and alone in the woods,
0: <laughs> alone to fend for themselves? Yes. Um. Well, so for for me, I um I, I took on a new job, and it was, I mean, a it was like the opportunity of a lifetime, and so I am ecstatic that uh, I was given this opportunity, but it. Has been a lot and uh, a, a lot more than I, I was able to uh, accommodate a bunch of other, um, you know, do that in my normal slate of extracurricular activities like, you know, sleeping and eating and having a family.
1: I had no idea being a character at one of those Chuck E. Cheese's was going to take so much of your time.
0: <laughs> well, you know, look. It, you gotta you gotta pour yourself into your work
1: <laughs> no i understand i understand so is is it starting to calm down a little bit? do you think we'll be able to
0: i would slowly love, revive this i would love to get back onto a weekly uh okay. weekly schedule i will um i will say that no it is not slowing down if anything, it is accelerating uh but my capability to handle it and um and stay sane is improving. So
1: Oh. Ah, well that's good. Yeah. That's good. Well, excellent. Well, I'm I'm so happy that we're back and I hopefully some of our listeners are still out there and remember who we are and join us once again on our regular machinations around the craziness that is information
0: security. Absolutely. And just do remember that we love you all. It was it was, you know, me, not you. So there you go. I love most
1: of you. There's a few of you out there that scare
0: me. You know who we're talking about. <laughs> All right. So um, in the past year, there's, I guess it's hey, been kind of a kind of a quiet... This, uh, disclaimer. Oh, that's right. The thoughts and opinions that we talk about on this show are ours and do not represent anything other than our own and our uh, respective pets.
1: That's true. See, we're out of practice. But yes, you were saying.
0: Yeah, uh, so so, th- there's been, I guess, a little bit's going on in the security world since we uh, since we last had a show, a couple things.
1: Nah, it's been quiet. I thought
0: it was pretty quiet. Um, seriously, though, there there's been some fairly significant stuff going on. You know, kind of going back in in my mental rolodex. Uh, obviously, the solar winds. Debacle at the end of last year was quite a, a momentous occasion. I think it was a that was a pretty big wake up call for a lot of businesses. Just given the scale and the the nature of the attack, I think there were something like eighteen thousand uh, organizations that were uh, touched. <laughs> As we'll we will say by this uh, this particular attack and now it is as best I understand that not all eighteen thousand were you know were actually pillaged and and uh, and burned but uh you know it i think it caused a lot of work uh, for a lot of uh, a lot of incident response teams for sure,
1: yeah, and those kind of supply chain attacks are really pernicious and difficult uh You know, there's there's not a whole lot of vendors out there selling the magic box that will blinky box that will secure you from a trusted vendor having malicious code thrown into their update stream. Uh, That's a that's a tough one. Uh, You know, aside from once again that very difficult task of segmentating and and monitoring for malicious activity between trusted devices, which sounds great in principle, but is really tough to instrument in after you've got a very established environment
0: well especially when you're talking about something like solar winds you know which is which is by design intended to have a pretty privileged place in your network in terms of you know the ability to reach out and touch things and you know it occurred to me that it was very much like the not attack it it, you know obviously the, the the payload as it were Significantly different and, and whatnot, but you know in Not pet there was lots of armchair quarterbacking saying why on earth did you know a Ukrainian t- tax software have the ability to interrupt hospitals in Wisconsin or wherever they were right that that didn't make a lot of sense and so there was lots of uh, you know lots of op- opinionating about uh, segmentation and whatnot but this is a this is kind of a different. Beast, when you have a trusted piece of software like SolarWinds, in which again, like that, I would assume that most most organizations that had it, you know, unless they have internal segmentation and it's only responsible for certain aspects of the environment, I mean that that's really bad.
1: Yeah, that's a tough one. You know, but it brings up another thought, which is for good or ill, whether we like it or not we have to trust some vendors and we have to take that risk. Uh, You know, this kind of goes back to a really old argument about open source versus closed source and commercial off the shelf. And what do you trust? And can you verify it? You know, the old debate was with open source. Well, I guess it's not that old, it's still current is people can analyze the code and, you know, check it for things. But we've seen in our career, even with open source stuff, bugs and and backdoors survive for years and years and years. So in practice, it's not like there's a whole bunch of people out there auditing the code uh, unless they specifically, you know, unless they're researchers or they make a business off that or they're the bad guys, whatever. But in this case, it's one of those examples of a lot of people who I don't think understand operational realistic environments like you should never trust a third-party vendor like that they should never have that but at the end of the day you still have to get business done you know you still have to find tools to facilitate the needs you have and and as because we're in an environment now where we have preached so much you need to patch you need to patch you need to patch you need to patch those update channels are now a really juicy target and i don't i don't know a good way around that aside from hope which is not really a strategy but i don't i mean at some point you still have to trust those vendors and take the risk
0: or not In my my observation is there's a, a there's a there's a good number of organizations that uh take a look at what happened with solar winds and, and and maybe they were impacted by it and saying never again well not with that vendor not, not with that vendor right so now we're going to move over to some other vendor right. on the premise that they're going to be way better than than solar but you know th- th- at the end of the day we don't really know
1: yeah i mean it's easy to di- dissect you know the whole solar winds root cause of it was an intern and this happened and that happened and it's really easy to to point fingers and blame and go oh that's crazy but you know that's only one of a thousand ways this could go down and glass houses, you know.
0: What I what I am observing is that for for those organizations that uh, that produce you know, products, or software products in particular, IT products, it is becoming increasingly important for us to secure the the, the build chain or the build environments and and whatnot because. You know I, I suspect solarwinds really never thought of themselves as the vehicle by which you know b- a bunch of government agencies in the us would get attacked and yeah. and you know the same thing recently happened with microsoft and exchange and and just this past week there was uh, some uh, some malware running around that was signed by microsoft we don't yet know at least i've not seen the readout on how that happened but you know like you can kind of use your imagination. It's not. It's not good. Um, you know, when when you as a as a, a manufacturer have that privileged place in in a, in a in customer's networks, and it, is, it becomes incumbent on you to improve your your hygiene. And, and I think that's where we're we're going to see a lot of focus now. In fact, we saw uh, about two months ago, a month ago maybe. The U.S. Uh, U.S. government released an executive order directing a bunch of government agencies to uh, to come up with some draft regulations on how to improve software supply chain security. Now, you know, the skeptic in me says, "Well, you know, is it re- will that really result in anything meaningful, or is it just going to be more, you know, more bureaucracy?" Don't really know, but the net point is, I think as an industry, we we do have to get better. But as a customer, it becomes really difficult. How do you know which of your providers, software providers or hardware providers, are acting responsibly and which aren't?
1: Well, you send them the third-party risk manager spreadsheet to fill out, and that, you ask. That's
0: a good point. I you know what I forgot about that? Do you I forgot about that.
1: Your code supply chain. No.
0: Yeah. Do you run antivirus?
1: Right. <laughs> And what's interesting about this, too, is we're moving into a world where well, we've already moved into development speeds up and it gets faster. And, and there's we're trying to build less friction into that build environment, into that coding divide right now. I'm not a coder. I'm not a dev guy. So I don't understand this very well, uh, as well as some can and do. But security is a friction point often. So that can be at odds with what the industry is driving towards, which is faster, more nimble, dare I say, more agile development practices. Uh, and how do you balance that out? And that's, you're right, when you take it from the flip side of, hey, if you're if you're that developer or that company that's in those networks that could be a victim of supply chain attack, yeah, there's a lot to think about there and, and there's a lot they could do uh, or should do. But it's always at at odds with, how fast can i develop how quick can i put innovation out how you know how can i serve my customers needs you know
0: how can they reduce my costs
1: right so it's a tough it's a tough problem
0: it it is it is but um we we are i think we are entering a new well, it's not really a new phase i'm i'm sure i'll get angry emails that say you know this has always been a problem it's just you know it's becoming the shark attack of twenty twenty one. It
1: was a digital Pearl Harbor, man. <laughs> it was a digital Pearl Harbor.
0: Oh geez, that brings some flashbacks. I uh, was
1: there on the beach that day.
0: Jeez. Ridiculous. Ridiculous. Anyway you bring,
1: you, bring, you bring up the government though, which is interesting. I, I What I fear, honestly, is that most of the time legislation becomes much like compliance after the fact, fighting the last war, it becomes a bare minimum that people point to as, look, we're secure and vendors game it to get their gear listed as required or recommended and, I don't know, I'm just very cynical of the slow moving bureaucracy of a government keeping up with the threat landscape. But I don't know. Maybe... Well,
0: uh, you know... I I wouldn't say that the commercial space has done stellar there either. So I
1: Well, the flip side is how many attacks did they stop that we don't know about?
0: Well, that's fair.
1: Right? I you know, Solar Winds was a was a failure, but was that one failure out of five thousand legitimate serious attempts? I don't know. Yeah, was it, it one failure out of twenty? I don't know. It's really tough to quantify that.
0: No that that's true that's true. I guess where 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 I'm where I'm going is that I I I, th- I think that we're going to see this uh, this attack chain become much more popular. And and so I think we have to be be wary of that. Um you know we we saw some I mean, there there were obviously different facts, but there was a recent thing with Codecov, which is just boggles my mind. It's a, a code coverage analyzer that, um, you know, used wrongly. <laughs> um, in in your release pipeline, it's actually pulling down a bash script straight from a web page and executing it in the shell. Like, what could possibly go wrong there? <laughs> right. So, Brilliant. and and it did. And it did so, um, you know. But but again, the 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 point is, the the bad guys are, you know, they're they're driven to make money to accomplish their objectives, however that may be. And as we get better at one, you know, securing the perimeter, I'm not saying we are, are all that yet, but as we, you know, as it becomes harder to do. Uh, you know, accomplish your, your mission through one method, the water sloshes to some other place. Similar to what's going on with ransomware right now, right? Uh, you yeah. know, the ransomware, and we saw this, I, you know, I remember this was kind of on the uptick when we when we last spoke where the, the bad guys were, you know, not just encrypting, but also stealing.
1: Yeah, and and this is a you know it's an old term but it's a constant arms race where the bad guys are always looking for new innovative ways to achieve their goals and i i think this is something i was going to comment on later when we kind of talked a little bit more of ransomware i think what's frustrating me in the ransomware conversation a little bit right now is there seems to be this dialogue happening where it's this one monolithic bad guy organization that's centrally controlled and has the same motivation and the same techniques and you know can all be controlled just by stopping Russia. And that's just not true. There's thousands of people out there playing with ransomware. And they all have different skill sets and different capabilities and different ideas and different methodologies. And in the real world, there's so much random crap that happens that you could never predict that it's just pure chaos. And in the sense of, you know, a thousand typewriters with a thousand monkeys in a thousand years finds ways. Uh and it's I don't know there's ever gonna be one easy solve to ransomware, especially because a lot of people think ransomware is the attack. That's actually the follow up, the payload. It could the ransomware can get in a thousand different ways. Now it may have similar behavior that you can target and stop that makes sense and you can look for it. But, uh, it's not like, I, I think there's just some nuance lost, especially when it's now gotten up to the, uh, the government levels and they're talking about it as, as like, it's this just one thing and this one, you know, and everything's nation state and everything's, I'm like, there's so many little variations and nuances out there. I'm not articulating this very well. I'm clearly
0: out of practice, but
1: it, you know what I'm saying, though. It's like, it's not that. It's never going to be that simple.
0: Yeah, there's there's lots of different motivations, lots of different personalities, people, uh, tactics, and whatnot. You know, it's what is also very interesting is the commercialization of uh, of these attacks. Because as you as you pointed out, ransomware is usually you know a, kind of a late stage component in, in an attack but also a lot of ransomware now is is provided as software as a service. You know in the, in the case for example of of um of the colonial pipeline incident that happened pretty recently.
1: I think I think I heard about that. You,
0: yeah, you may have it caused the caused a couple of gas stations around here to run out for a little bit. Um and lots of uh I, I would call that a powerpoint generating event. <laughs> Um, you're
1: such a you're such an executive now <laughs>
0: yeah but
1: but that's a perfect example of if we talk about that for a minute that the ransomware got paid lots of angst over that which we can talk about but then the feds recovered some of that bitcoin payout and i saw all this assumption turning into fact in in the twitter sphere around that where i don't have it right in front of me but based on the way that the Fed documentation came out about the search order uh, and the way that they went out, everybody assumed that that money, that Darkseed supposedly, captured or ransomed out of Colonial Pipeline was at Coinbase because of the way the Feds did it. And all these people are like, well, that just doesn't make any sense. There's no way somebody's sophisticated enough to take down an entire pipeline, would then put their, their Bitcoin in a U.S.-based uh, hosted – uh, Bitcoin wallet, and then Coinbase was like, guys, we don't know what you're talking about. We had nothing to do with this. And But all these people started making all these assumptions. And I'm just going to say for the record, one, colonial pipeline attack did not get anywhere near the pipelines. It got into what we understand, at least to this extent, the, the backend administrative systems and the billing systems. And as I understand it, take it with a grain of salt, Colonial Pipeline shut down the pipeline because they were concerned about being able to build properly and control it properly. But the actual ICS systems, this wasn't like a Stuxnet. They never got near the ICS systems as we understand it today. But people are saying, well, if they're sophisticated enough to do that, then they wouldn't be dumb enough to put their money in this wallet here. I'm like, those are two different skill sets and people make mistakes all the time. And we don't really know the full story. So you cannot translate. One skill set, capability, and maturity over to another like that, and as as far as we know, the feds had somehow gotten the password to that Bitcoin wallet. We don't know how or why yet, uh, but people make mistakes all the time, and it's sometimes the feds get lucky, and sometimes they monitor sloppy upset communication by the bad guys. So what I'm saying is that a lot of people try to conflate the skill set of a Of a bad guy, like it's a Jason Bourne movie. I'm like, weird stuff happens all the time. Mistakes happen all the time.
0: I assume it was Elvis on the moon base that gave him the password. That's probably true. um, Yeah. Well, you know, to some extent, I think Occam's razor comes into play because with with Colonial was it, you know, a super sophisticated super sophisticated attack, or did they fall victim? to the same kind of attack that hospitals and law firms and many 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 other entities that have you know traditional IT fall victim to all the time and for for whatever reason they chose to you know and, and probably the right call I'm going to guess shut down their pipeline operations you know whether whether it was because of billing or because of safety or because of uh, who knows right but that doesn't necessarily mean that it was a you know a, a targeted attack or or even that the people who you know propagated the attack or perpetrated the attack actually understood what they were doing
1: right and or who a lot they were doing. attacking
0: so you know that, that's a that's a hypothesis at this point but yeah. but it is interesting by the way on the other side it is interesting in that it shows the fragility of of things like that, because you know i let's so let's just say that you know Occam's razor is right, and that simplest explanation is the you know is the right one, and they were just the victim of of circumstance holy cow that's you know a a a trivial target of or crime of opportunity was able to shut down such a massive yeah piece of infrastructure that's a that's also a problem
1: it is but would it happen again now? So now we have this input into the thinking and I don't know, uh, you know, five years from now, I guess what I'm saying is that if your store is broken into and you see other stores on, on the street broken into, you may adjust your security. So I guess what I'm saying is that yes, it was fragile and it shows fragility, but I don't think that that's a permanent state of things. People have the opportunity to look at that and learn from it, and hopefully, yeah, find a way. They you know, do. I'm hoping other pipeline companies are now wargaming this situation, and going, what would we do? Because this was somewhat fresh territory, and and you know, for good or ill, they made a call. I, I can't really judge that call, I wasn't there. But other people can now look at it in hindsight, and look at it in their operations, and decide, how could we not do that if we got hit? How could we harden against that? Whether or not they take those steps and spend the money, I don't know. But it's a tough thing. And then, you know, Congress calls the CEO before them to testify. I'm like, what, what, what are you going to do, Congress? Seriously? I, I,
0: Pass a law. Okay. <laughs> that's, that's what they do.
1: I mean, the only thing I think the government probably could effectively do is start making agreements with foreign governments to arrest these guys who are doing this kind of stuff, assuming they're not nation state, you know, people and not give these safe havens. I think that's probably the only thing effective. I I, I, I don't know. I guess I'm cynical about that. I just I just in my last 20, 25 years. I haven't seen much come from the government of use from from a indicator compromise or an alert that wasn't three or four days behind open source or, you know, community resources.
0: Yeah, f- fair, fair. But at the same time, that is presumably something with investment in organization that they, they could improve.
1: Yeah, I don't want to, I don't want to, Knock them right. It's a really big, tough bureaucracy, and the, and the government's trying to do good things. But you know, U.S. CERT—it was—it <laughs> was always ironic, of like, hey, this big nasty bug exists in this firewall. You better patch it. Five days later, you know, U.S. CERT comes out to tell us the same thing. I'm like, okay. Uh, you know, I, the FBI has been trying to do the InfraGuard stuff, which is good. It wa- raises awareness. I just, I, I worry that this is a that the U.S. government is such a bureaucratic organization. That it cannot operate fast enough with all of its checks and balances to to be ahead of the curve. In my cynical world,
0: they—I mean—they certainly will, will have to adapt, right? Yeah, but, in order to be successful, yes.
1: But they do have the law enforcement and political components that we don't have.
0: Yep. Right? Yep. So
1: maybe that's where they can be very, very helpful. Absolutely. This is way over my
0: pay grade. Absolutely. Well, you know, we'll we'll see what comes of that. Um I out of the out of both the colonial pipeline and the solar winds attack, I think the you know, the government feels at least in the US here feels a much stronger mandate to be activist.
1: Just do something.
0: Yeah. And it, it it look, it's I mean that that's the way that's the way the the world goes. Hopefully that just do something turns into something useful.
1: I hope so. I just, I'm skeptical, but mm-hmm. not, not, not because I think they're bad people or don't know what they're doing. I think it's just a really tough environment to operate in compared to this problem.
0: Yeah. Fair enough. So, so what else has, uh, has caught your attention over the past year?
1: Um, I, you know, obviously the cloud is a big deal. And I think we're seeing more and more organizations shift to the cloud. We're seeing a lot of the industry shift to the cloud. We're seeing, you know, in many ways, most of the vendors starting to look at, Hey, you know, instead of the data center being the central point, the cloud is your central point. So how do we build something that funnels all of your traffic into our centralized control point and back out again, which is good and bad. Uh, you know, it's it's interesting because we just saw an outage at Prolexic, which is a big DDoS provider that took down a bunch of banks and stuff overseas, and that becomes an interesting problem when we start outsourcing so much of this stuff to a single provider, and then they have an outage, you know, so I wonder, you know, if we still, still need to start thinking about things of, you know, it doesn't matter how much they promise uptime, if something goes sideways, you're... uh you're not going to easily get that time back if it's important to you, right? So maybe you need to build for multiple hosting environments.
0: Yeah, I suspect that you know that obviously the, the the level of tolerance that you have to that is is going to be different depending on who you are, what you do, and and whatnot. So, you know, certainly any, any company is going to say, uh, you know, we we're pretty intolerant of extended extended periods of downtime, but the question then becomes how much money are you willing to invest for that not to be a problem because that then you get down to the sensitivity of you know, what 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 are you gonna do about it. I, I've had an opportunity as of late to talk to the CISOs and, and risk officers for a bunch of banks worldwide and I will tell you that, that the problem you just described is on end regulators too, by the way, and the problem you just described is on many minds. They 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 call it concentration risk,
1: right? Sure, makes sense. Uh,
0: you know, because and it and it manifests itself in complicated ways, especially in the cloud. Because if you think about it, you know, you as a as a bank or as a manufacturer, or whatever, you have your infrastructure in the cloud, but then you have a bunch of vendors, and do you know where they outsource their stuff? Do, sure. are, are they in the same cloud? And you know, it it it, it becomes kind of a, a complicated knot.
1: Well, you you got to ask them on the spreadsheet you sent.
0: <laughs> Clear, clearly that's clearly right, but you know, it it comes down to um again, like you said, you 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 have to understand, you know, where what their exposure is, or, and is it the same exposure or the di- a different exposure to you? There was a recent, uh, maybe not so recent, outage of a big managed security service provider, you know, because they they uh, they experienced an outage in a in a cloud environment. And you know, I know that there were a couple of uh, companies who were also impacted by that. So now, not only were part of their IT operations out, but also their security operations was out. And so like they were you know, they were they had, you know, one hand tied behind their back and they were blinded.
1: Yeah, that that's tough. I, I remember when you and I worked together a long time ago building a new facility that was gonna host a managed service provider. And we went so far as to have different telco rooms to terminate different internet connectivity in different ends of the facility in different buildings, different power. And we requested that the telco run diverse path of the fiber to different COs uh, so that if one got dug up, it wouldn't take one out. As it turned out, the phone companies said they would do it, and they didn't. They lied to us. And so that's one of those things, too, that, that you could try your best to have as much diversity as you can and think you're doing it right and still get caught.
0: Yeah, yeah absolutely. You know?
1: So it's, it's an interesting problem. And I think it's also really tough for organizations to truly exercise that DR in a way that is meaningful, that really finds those problems. Uh, and it's very expensive and it's very difficult and it's very complicated, but I would say you need to truly understand and accept the risks involved with that and know if you're not doing it where your as you mentioned, concentration risk is and accept it at a, at a, true level so that you're not caught by surprise or, you know, you weigh the costs versus the, the, the benefits of trying to build true redundancy and decide against it or for it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's, I think cloud is, is, um, it's driving some, some new discussions because if you think about it from the lens of a regulator, let's just say, you know, on the one hand you want, you want banks or, or, um, Utilities or whatever, pick your industry, to be able to innovate and operate more efficiently and securely and and robustly, which in la- in large measure is what cloud can uh, can offer to you. But at the same time, if like, let's just say all banks everywhere were running on Azure, <laughs> and then Azure has an outage, well, that's just that's not just a problem for the banks. Like that's a problem it's an emergent problem for the country or the, or the, you know, the economy. So these are, these are some, um, kind of mesoscale problems that, uh, you know, the, the world has to figure out as we continue our move to the cloud and why I think we're seeing some, you know, some stickiness of the whole idea of hybrid cloud, being able to, you know, move stuff around between different providers and whatnot. So, um,
1: well, and the reality is too. Most companies doing any sort of M and A, you know, let's say a company decides we are AWS centric, and they build all their skill set in AWS, and you know, and then they buy a company running on GCP. Right. Uh, the reality is, we probably are going to have to, for any sizable company, deal with multiple clouds.
0: Yes. Yes.
1: And then learn them well enough, and then abstract them well enough that we can secure them similarly across them regardless of the paradigm that that particular vendor uses, which is a tough problem. It's a lot to ask. Uh, but I don't see, I don't see a way around it, you know, because we continue to see people make very basic mistakes in their cloud security that causes huge leakages of data. And, you know, that we don't we don't need ransomware when you leak the data yourself, right, uh, to make everybody's life difficult.
0: Yeah, there was just a story recently about, what was it, CVS, I think. I, I feel like I'm going to get in trouble by maybe not getting their name right. I think it was CVS, and if not, I apologize you know, about the uh, billion, billion records that, that leaked.
1: Uh, we used to do this show with notes, you might recall.
0: I, I, I do know. I, I remember. That was a long time ago. It's so like a decade ago. We'll do it live. <laughs> F
1: it, we'll do it live.
0: Uh, anyway, the, you're 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 spot on. Like that, you know, we um. It, it, particularly in cloud, there are a lot of ways to shoot yourself in the foot, and doing it right in one cloud is challenging. But being able to, you know, have sk- enough skill to you know, properly secure things in multiple different clouds is even. Even trickier, which I think is you know why when somebody comes along and finds a way like the you know the universal cloud abstraction layer, like they're going to make a mint.
1: I I agree. I think it's coming. I think it, I think there are people already dabbling in that area, uh, and especially from security or whether it be you know uh, sim sort of integration or whatnot. It's I, I can see it very much as in, in a control framework too of you know, having that abstraction layer of I want to control segmentation and then having that translate into the various cloud methodologies, but still just, you know, be the same mindset, I think is going to be key. Uh, the problem is, as always, all the clouds are, are innovating very fast and things change so rapidly. I don't know, that's a tough problem. Uh, it's, you know, you need different subject matter expertise. And, and to coordinate that well and to and the auditors, bless their hearts, probably are still catching up anyway, and don't really know how to audit this yet—not very well, in my opinion.
0: No, that is absolutely the case. Uh, you know, I, I I do in some regards think that cloud is um, as an industry is advancing f- faster than we're able to build sound practices around it. it or I should say, side... build in, you know, build in implement sound practices
1: fair i would agree the flip side is it also is this amazing opportunity to fix 40 years of bad data center practices oh, yeah. or learn from all of our mistakes from a security standpoint at least uh and shed all that technical debt but i think a lot of people are rushing the cloud in a forklift mentality and not truly rethinking that unfortunately uh and i see that over and over again
0: yeah it it yeah, I look. I, I think there is value in the forklift, but if you do that, you have to be cognizant that you probably have to carry your know, forklift over some of your bureaucratic ways as well. Otherwise, you're going to get yourself into trouble. But it it really is an opportunity to transform your 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 business processes and applications and development processes and whatnot. Uh, but uh, you know, all too often, I do see. Organizations taking picking and choosing the parts that they like and ignoring the part the the expensive parts that they don't. Right. So you know, but you're you're spot on. Like this is this is the opportunity of a lifetime, in my mind, for for, from getting a chance to do it right. Like this is this is the the time. There probably is not going to be another one like this. So we damn well better get on it.
1: So, before we run out of time as well, the other thing I saw that uh, or last year that I thought was interesting is as an evolution of ransomware and uh, sort of blackmailing people going after senior executives information when you're in as a mm. ransomware, grabbing their their data and finding something um, compromising about that executive Un- unsavory yes yeah and then blackmailing them with that or extorting them with that, I think is going to continue to increase and it's probably going to get uglier. And I wouldn't be surprised if it leads to some, uh, what's the word I want to use? Uh, Things getting released that lead to criminal activity charges uh, that would have been hidden, you know, maybe hidden inside deep in the, inner emails of some chief executive or whatnot that get found by a ransomware gang and released to the world. And
0: Candidly, I it, I'm surprised we haven't seen that already.
1: Well, I'm busy. Give me a minute. Uh, <laughs> oh, I mean, yes. No, you're correct. Uh, but I think it's coming. And I think that they're already starting to do things like harass executives by calling them at home. And I think now that they're starting to dabble with you know, releasing little bits of data, uh, I think that's going to be their next target to leverage better ransomware payouts. It's mm-hmm. fine, delicious. Wasn't things. it
0: the, the Panama Papers, I think, was the was, was a, uh, a similar kind of operation against a, a law firm in Panama?
1: Yeah, and, it, and I vaguely recall this, so don't quote me on this, but it had to do with like how rich people were hiding right. money from taxes or something. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so who knows? It could be, you know, it could get real interesting if somebody gets the hold of some very well-known executive and find something salacious in it and starts blackmailing them and you know so i see that evolving out of the current ransomware
0: yeah if you just if you just think about what their uh, their objective is which is to get paid right if you know so i think they're they're finding less and less organizations willing to pay you know because they they lost access to their data so now they've pivoted to stealing a copy and threatening to either disclose it or, or auction it off so that's like another incentive for you to pay but i think now a lot of organizations are saying well particularly with the um, the, the data privacy laws now you you pretty much have to, unless you're going to be a shady you know, a shady company you you have to treat that as a data breach dis you know a a reportable data breach anyway so, you know, there's what's the incentive for you to pay there again unless you're you're willing to not live up to your uh, your legal obligations. So so now um you know if if those two things aren't going to incentivize you to pay, well what is next? And maybe this is this is the thing, right? So get if using their access to find something to actually do hardcore blackmailing.
1: Yeah, and I don't, you know, I don't have an easy solve on that one either, other than just you know typical ransomware defense or malware
0: defense. But uh, I do wonder what's next because I, I, you know, while that may in some ways be fruitful, I'm I, I'm not sure that's going to incentivize a lot of companies to pay. It seems like, you know, as a business model, the next step is they have to find ways to actually like destroy your IT.
1: Interesting. So, so I, things
0: like UEFI or you know, hardware type attacks. Before
1: they buy stock, or after they buy stock, whoever you're going to buy your new stuff from, right?
0: That's true. What, um, what was it, Revil, or one of the uh, one of the ransomware gangs actually has on their marketplace? Uh, if you're if you're a member, you can get a heads up about who is about to be attacked so you can presumably short their stock i mean it's we're uh, like, we're on the wrong side of this it's like, <laughs> there's a lot
1: more money to be made
0: out there they're finding ways to to monetize like every aspect of uh, of this so uh which again is that that's it's the point of the game so as one aspect of this becomes less profitable they're going to find new innovative and more painful ways for uh you know, to uh to monetize us
1: There's also been a lot of talk lately about making it illegal to
0: pay ransomware,
1: at least in the U.S. To some
0: extent, I think they already have. And what they're doing is they're using some of the existing uh, constructs like um, denied parties. So they're making, you know, they're they're claiming or they're adding um, the ransomware gangs or specific people. To the uh, U.S. Department of Commerce's Denied Parties List, and so if you transact business, i.e., you pay them money, you know you are doing business with a with, with a denied persons, and you you can be subject to severe sta- sanctions.
1: Yeah, I am unsure how I feel about this. I go back and forth on this topic, honestly. Uh, I see maybe they're edge cases, maybe they're rare, but I see lots of circumstances. I can think of lots of circumstances where it may make sense to pay as sucky as that is, uh, you know, a, a hospital that life treatments are being held up for whatever reason or whatever. I can see possibilities. I don't know. I, I, I don't like a one size fits all solution. I'm, I'm not a fan of that being mandated by the government either. But I get I get the idea behind it. Right. Starve it out and it'll go away. I understand the logic. I also understand that it's sometimes not that simple for if you're the
0: victim. So in, in 20 years, there's going to be a whole new trolley problem, set of trolley problems. One with, can hope. With, uh, you know, with, with ransomware.
1: I live for those trolley problems.
0: <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll see. Anyway. <laughs> all right. Um, hep, again, happy Father's Day to every, you know, all the fathers. Belated happy Mother's Day to all the mothers. And uh, anything, anything else? You'd Every like to other say?
1: holiday we missed in the past year. Yeah, ha-
0: happy Christmas, happy New Year, uh, happy Halloween, happy Arbor Day, um, <laughs> happy Easter. I don't know what else, what I miss?
1: I for one, I'm happy we're back. Hopefully, we'll be back on a regular
0: basis. Absolutely, me too. All right. Or maybe we'll we'll get back to our usual semi quality. That seems uh, like a stretch.
1: That's a lot to ask. Isn't
0: it? <laughs> Although although, the bar there isn't nice, high, so maybe be all right. Yeah. All right. Have a good evening. Have a good week, everyone. Hey, Take if ca- you want
1: to find us on the Twitters, I'm at Lurg, L-E-R-G, Andrew Callett. Jerry, who rarely tweets because he's busy these days, but is still at Malicious Links. So, you know, hit him up. Yeah,
0: I, I have to tweet. Uh, I got the best spam email ever. Sweet. Ever. It was an invitation to join the Illuminati. Holy cow. And 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 the best you, the best you, part of it was at the bottom it said it told me to add their email address to my uh, address book so uh, because their emails keep getting sent to spam folders and I'm thinking wouldn't the Illuminati of all people of all organizations have I the ability like to you you, go, you see where I'm going right
1: I do I do I do unless unless they know that we know that they could do it so they don't do it. Oh,
0: that's a hey, damn. I didn't even think about that.
1: So they clearly cannot But now
0: but then they the would know in front of you. But we know that they would think that so
1: hmm. eh,
0: man. Anyway.
1: But hey, congratulations on your I,
0: But I'm 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 part of the membership. Illuminati now. Yeah. I just have to like Are you allowed to tell us that? I just have to send like a bunch of money someplace. It's it's weird.
1: Well, yeah, it's not cheap.
0: True. True. I
1: mean, it's like it's like a country called membership. You want to be exclusive. <laughs> they don't just let anybody in.
0: <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. All right, everyone. Take care. See you. Bye-bye. Bye.